Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Hello and welcome to Scrappy ABM Live. This is your practical podcast with actionable playbooks from top ABM experts. My name is Mason Cosby. I'm the host of your show and founder of Scrappy ABM. Today, I'm joined by Alex Oli, who is the CRO and co-founder of ReachDesk. Alex, thank you for joining me today. Great pleasure. I've been looking forward to this one. This is one of those ones where Hopefully, I don't have to think because I've just been doing this for, for ages. So I'm, I'm really excited about this one, mate. I mean, when we were talking about it right before we went live, I, I think you're going to provide a ton of helpful information on exactly how somebody can do one-to-one gifting. And I, I love the title that we came up with of just like one-to-one gifting equals 100% response rate because I think especially as we get into February, you maybe have tried to re-engage from deals from 2023 in January and you're like they're just stalled out. Like people are just not responding. So I'm excited to dig into this playbook around how you can use one-to-one custom gifting to really help to re-engage some deals. So with that, again, we kind of know where we're thinking it's all going to be gifting. It's one-to-one. It's very personalized. Where is you think through the funnel? Like are you using this for pipeline generation? Is this pipeline acceleration? Is this customer expansion? Like where are you typically using this, these kinds of playbooks? Oh, mate, you can use this throughout the, the, the full life cycle. I think I used to think that like direct mail gifting was a top of funnel acquisition play. Um, and it kind of happened by accident that we were using it to accelerate deals, to reawaken the, the deals that had gone dead, to like help onboard customers like with growth as well. So I'm thinking about it full life cycle, but predominantly like in that middle bit where, you, where you've, you've got a relationship with someone and that's where it can be enhanced even more. I love it. So again, Playbook can be used anywhere. Largely, we're thinking about it for the purpose of our conversation today in that pipeline acceleration stage. As we think through technology that was required to build this playbook, what was the tech you guys were using? Hey, honestly, years ago, we're talking about scrappy ABM, right? I'm not talking about yep. how, how we're using it now. Years ago, in fact, should I tell you how, how I got into direct mail and gifting first? I think you that should. Might, that, might, that might answer it. I was, oh, this is eight, nine years ago. It was a long time ago. And I'd launched the London office of a company who was just like not well known. They were really well known in the Nordics. It's everywhere you went, like Norway, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, even like Germany, the DAC region. You go everyone that's like, oh yeah, I know, I know JFK, yeah, I know them. They're like market leader and everything. And I was like, oh okay, I'll take them to London, and we'll do the same. And I got to London, and was like, never heard of you. Oh okay, <laughs> got a bit of a problem here. No one's heard of us. There's no brand awareness. Like. In in like Denmark, for example, you cold call like a CMO, and yeah, they'd be like, yeah, of course, I've used the Julik before, I've used you guys in the past. London, flat in the face, they were like, I have no idea who you guys are. So, like, oh, we've got a bit of a problem here. 
And our pipeline wasn't where I expected it to be. Deals were kind of stalling out too regularly. And I actually flew back to Copenhagen where our headquarter was and spoke to the CEO and the CRO. I'm like, what are you going to do about this, man? Like, you've got to think of something different. And we started like testing a few things with direct mail and gifting. And I said, we're going to send people stuff. We're going to use signals. Right? So we're going to use LinkedIn sales navigator. When we've got, our, we've got our top target account list, let's say it's 50 to 70 accounts. When we have key decision makers who either get promoted or, or get brought into those organizations, we're going to go hard at them. And instead of doing the thing that everyone does, which is congrats on LinkedIn, we'd send them stuff and it would land on their desk. And then they call us up and they'd be like, thanks for the, the welcome hamper. I, I, I don't know you guys, but do you want to have a chat? And we were like, oh, yeah, it's working. And so it kind of got, fell into it by accident. And we started using it in so many different ways, which I'm sure we'll discuss today. That's where it started. And so the, the, to answer your question, we need any technology. We just did it ourselves. It was painful, but it worked. But there was no tech needed. That was seven or eight years ago. I think it's evolved slightly because... Look, I don't know about you, but I'm working from home. I think you're working from home, right? I am. You are. You're working from home. COVID changed that big time, like massively. In fact, <laughs> another story. I thought Reach Desk was dead when COVID happened because we, you know, as a business, we send people to send stuff to people's offices. So the, the only thing I'd change now compared to what we used to do is, is you need people's addresses because you don't know where they're going to be and they want stuff to be sent on their own terms but you can use hubspot landing pages uh, you can just say like i want to send you a gift here's an image of what i'm going to send you you can put that on hubspot landing page and just put the fields and then just put a little thing at the bottom saying what you're going to do with the data you've got to basically because we're taking personal data people don't like that to be stored so you've got to make sure that you're telling them it's going to be deleted that's all you need you just need a way to get their address one i love the story of like this is exactly how we even got into direct mail like eight, nine years ago. And again, just the practicality of you just got to send it to their office. Now, obviously things have shifted. There are certain organizations. I actually think it'd be interesting to think about keeping up with the news of what organizations have kind of initiated this come back into office mandate because you could actually likely track organizations in which are still remote friendly versus are in office for your sending. So if you want to do it more scrappy, you can look at what places are requiring you to be in office. And then you can actually probably send the office if you're very scrappy about it. Or again, HubSpot landing pages, informing people, hey, we're going to delete your information. But if you're open to giving us your address, we'd love to send you a gift. So again, sounds like really, even from a scrappy perspective today, the tech that you're going to need is just some form of a landing page to capture the information. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And I think that's for companies who are doing like small volumes. Once you get to the higher volumes, you, you need to start to automate this because it's just going to crush your team. We actually sold, um, that's what we obviously do as a company, but we had one of our customers, they had like a team of, I think it was 18 marketers. And all they were doing was packing boxes because they were doing hundreds or, or sometimes thousands of sends a month. And that would just wipe them out. And so we automated that. And now that marketing team can do actual marketing stuff. You know, they didn't want yeah. to didn't, didn't go to college to, to, to pack boxes. They want to do creative things. So that's the distinction, I think, is that you can do it scrappily, but when it gets to a certain scale, you, you do need to start looking into automating it. I love it. So we start to think about the content. So what content are you guys using for these direct mail sends for these mm. playbooks that you're running? Well, it, it's different now, but going back to the scrappy days, I mean, we would do crazy stuff. We would do like one-to-one -one custom. In fact, here's one of my favorite ones. 
we would do one-to-one pieces of content because we were selling like fairly high ACVs, you know, three, 300 to 500K a year plus. So it's worth it. We would do custom content for like the three key decision makers in each account. And it would be like all narrative and stories. So the luxury that we had as an organization would be, in fact, I think I might have it here somewhere. I'll, I'll, there we go. There we go. These books. I've never done this. We had these books. Okay. And this was Rasmus Huland, one of our, there he is, Rasmus. Rasmus actually wrote this book and we were selling omni-channel marketing. So what we did is we got those books and we recovered them. So the, the content we'd send to them digitally and it would all be about like, say, for example, you're working at Nike, Mason. How, how Mason changed Nike's omni-channel marketing strategy. And it'd be like really detailed stories about the things that he could do. And it was like a future state of the value proposition of, of our product. So we'd send these like custom like digital bits and it was tied in with bits of our content and customer stories and all that, obviously. But then what we did is we sent the book and the book was recovered. And it wasn't like, so the book's called Make It All About Me. We recovered it. I keep looking at the book. We recovered it and we said, make it all about Mason. And on the inside of each book, so you open it up, there's a personalized story with how you changed omnichannel marketing strategy at Nike. And so the content with all the social proof and the personalized bit matched the DM and the two linked together. And it wasn't expensive. And so we would link that together. And my God, that's why we call this 100% response rate because everyone responded. It just like it attracted the attention. There was this high level of detail. It was valuable because it was actually like a mini playbook of what you could do. But then we were sending them the book as well. They were like, this book's great. It's really good content. So the, the two tied together. I love that. Of just like talking about getting really specific and really personalized. So again, you are taking what was largely a templatized digital ebook of sorts, and you're replacing the information with their name, with their company. Like how much personalization, how much nuance is it? Is it like a, I don't know how to say it, but like you're filling in the blanks with the right people's names in the company, or are you actually nuancing the content to some more detail around their specific organization? Yeah, it's a a good question. We'd verticalize it. So let's say we had 100 accounts in total, 20 would be like e-commerce, 20 would be like insurance, 20 would be, we would just, we'd only differentiate the content based on industry vertical. The rest of it was basically like, what do you call it? Squiggly bracket fields. Exactly. They were just tokens and that, that was it. So it was just industry specific. And then personalization, it would say your name, company you're at, your title, that kind of thing. The things that would matter to you as an e-commerce marketer and a retail brand. And then the social proof would be around the industry verticals of customers that we worked with. And that was it. But it, it made people, people would go nuts for it. And then it evolved even further. We'd go to events and at trade shows, we'd have this, this we'd have all the books and we'd have like a printer and you could get the, the book printed for you. People didn't care that it was like they could see all the fields and we would ask them those bits of information. What's your title? Company you work at? Blah, blah, blah. But they'd be so happy going away with this personalized book. They'd be walking out being like, hey, and people come up to us like, are you the personalized book, guys? So we took the book to, 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 to trade shows as well. And it, it became a fun thing to do. That's what I love about marketing. It was actually enjoyable for us. But it was also enjoyable for the recipient. I love the for lack of a word, like the simplicity of it, of like you create, for lack of a word, a general playbook that you then nuance more specifically to each vertical and then it's personalization tokens. And I've talked with a lot of clients and they're like, yeah, we serve three verticals super, super well. So I'm just thinking if you know what verticals you serve well, you can build this playbook, get very vertical specific, create personalization tokens. And if we go back to the HubSpot landing page example, you could build a landing page in HubSpot using personalization tokens for every vertical so like you can create that right now digitally 
in a couple of days if you really dedicated the time to it. So like this is something that's super accessible. I'm curious though for the printed version, like all honestly, like how are you doing that? Like how do you actually create the printed version of it? Mate, it was, it was just a printer, like a normal printer. You, we just, it was the paper. It was, it was the paper that we just bought really high quality paper. I wish I had one to show you. I used to have loads of them, but I've just got the old book. But it, honestly, it was just a printer. And we, we tried it at first. We're like, oh, this doesn't look very, very good. And then we, we went to a print shop. I remember the guy saying to me, he was like, dude, you just need to change the paper. Have you got a decent printer in your office? Yeah, we do. He's like, Get, use this paper, test it. We bought 10 sheets of it. And it worked really well. It looked really, really high quality. And he was like, yeah, on your normal office printer, this will look really good. <laughs> it, it wasn't rocket science. I love that this ABM playbook from a tech perspective requires a printer. <laughs> incredible. Um, okay, so we've got a personalized landing page. We have a need for a printer, some really high quality paper. It doesn't sound like the budget's crazy on this. I mean, as we start to think through budget, like what are you kind of budgeting out for something like this? Oh, mate, for this one, like top, like top end, like a thousand bucks. This was, it was like cost of books, printer, shipping notes that was it it was like yeah thousand bucks i love it so again we talked through we create a flackboard vertical specific templatized book with personalization tokens we are sending a physical copy of the book that is directly associated with it and again these are just examples like it's really anything that is going to tie in and stand out one of my favorite gifting examples that was really inexpensive is from will aiken that sent a coconut to one of his prospects and said like you're a tough nut to crack i just think like that's a great playbook another one that i really like that i've personally done is the popcorn so sending a popcorn tin and saying like hey pop him back in just wanted to see if this was a priority for q2 or whatever that looks like it's the creativity i just love the the templatized approach are there any other tactics that you've seen used in these kinds of acceleration playbooks specifically with direct mail that you think oh we've we've got to share that Mate, I, I've got, I could speak to you about this for about three hours. Right, I'll share some of my favorite ones just off, off the top of my head. For acceleration, here's what we've done, but a lot of our customers have done. Now, what happens to most salespeople is they get ghosted, right? It seems to be like a top closed loss reason that you see in the CRM. And what we do is we try and tie a seasonal theme with the direct mail uh, or, or gifting campaign that we're doing. So every Halloween, we send out lots of big black or big orange boxes and they are just filled with chocolate ghosts with a note saying what did we say last year something along the lines of feels like you've been ghosting us we've got pumpkin to talk about all right and that's it <laughs> and we'd get people like getting their phones out and sending us messages like fair play we'll have a conversation cost like 20 bucks per send just loads of chocolate ghosts and that was it just sent from sales reps you could do so many things around like whether it's Easter, it could be a summer theme thing where you just put a theme. People like puns. You can put humor in this. Be careful of your persona. But actually, I say that very few personas react badly to this. But if you if you really craft this creatively, you put like puns are okay. It doesn't have to be high cost. It just has to be something like that, that, that coconut example. You're tough, tough enough to crack. Those things can work really, really well. They can. The, the trick is not to like overuse them with the same prospects. You've probably got one, maybe two bites of the cherry. We have had companies that are like, yeah, I sent them like five different themes, but they didn't seem to get it. I was like, maybe you should have stopped at one. 
but you can start to put these these themes together. So think seasonally, timing of year. There's this whole calendar. And in fact, we share a quarterly gifting guide where you can use this, where we say that these are all the big holidays coming up. What I've learned is for every day of the year, there is a national day for something. And you can tie it to that. So there's like last Friday was the World Pizza Day. And you can send people like pizza kits they want to make. And something like, would you like a slice of what we have to offer or something like that? There's like a National Pie Day, which is not P-I-E, P-I, it's in like the mathematic formula. People send pies on Pie Day and it gets people thinking. There's Halloween, there's loads of different things. And you can really use those days to, to hook onto what you're sending. And where can people find that quarterly gift guide? We put it on our website. None of our content's gated. None, none of it is gated. So go on to reachdesk.com and just search for quarterly gifting guide. So we're about to launch Q2. So we launch it three months in advance. But every three months, we launch a gifting guide and it helps you with this. And I, I love the timing of it. I'm doing a webinar tomorrow for Valentine's Day. It's all Valentine's Day themed. And I love that we're doing it on Valentine's Day. I love that you give the three month heads up because it's probably how long it really takes to get something really running from a direct mail perspective. Yeah, so, so that, that that's one way of doing it. But then I also advocate for the always on stuff. You should have things that are always on. So really simple things. Uh, for some reason, human beings love to be sent coffee gift cards. Right? And before a discovery call, one thing you can do to get someone to show up is to give them something in advance. And all of our customers do this. In fact, one of them, they saw their, their show rate increase from like 60% to like 80% just by sending Starbucks an hour before a call. That's it. So it can be digital gifting too. So you want to think about, I call them moments that matter. Take your customer journey and think about the touch points within your customer journey where you're struggling. Uh, think about what you can do always on so it doesn't have to be a seasonal theme and then fold that into your, your, your process first and then try and automate it later. So there are lots of things you can do. Sometimes it does have to be quite custom. So if you know, you might have to research top prospects and understand if they drink or not. They, they often say stuff on a call saying, I've got kids running around. You're like, okay, like you might tie something to that. But have a think about the things that, that you can have always on and then fold the, the seasonal stuff on top and the two go really well together. Yeah. And again, thank you for calling out the always on. Like a lot of what I'm recommending clients are doing with Scrappy ABM is just like building always on type programs that are very trigger specific. Because like mm -hmm. if you can automate those things that accelerate your pipeline or generate new pipeline or expand your customers, even not necessarily the send, but just the tasking, if you can make it where people have to think about what they should be doing and they just know what to do, you're going to dramatically grow your business. So as far as any unexpected roadblocks or challenges when it comes to these direct mail sending approaches, you know, what are some things that you're seeing people are constantly running into? I'd say with, if we're talking about the scrappy version, obviously, like sourcing items, I think was one of the things that, that we used to run into a lot. So if you think about it. We, so what, what, what I ended up doing is I would sit down with like SDRs and sales alongside our marketing team and we're like, hey, look, we need to be like thinking about the creative things that we could do. And people would come up with the most phenomenal ideas. They'd be like, oh, we should be doing this. And I, I know this about my prospect. And then we'd be like, yeah, let's go and do it. And then we'd go away and find out that to, to buy that thing or to source it, it would take like six to eight weeks. And so like the lead time was was really, really hard. And so that was something we underestimated. And I have to go, the one thing you don't want to do is go and disappoint salespeople and say it's not possible when you got their hopes up because then they fall out of love with, with you pretty quickly. We all know this. So then I have to go, oh, I can't, can't do this. And actually sometimes when, when we did that, what I used to do is I used to get my credit card out and I'd go and like, I remember I used to literally give my company card. I'm not sure if I do this now. Maybe I would. I don't know. 
But I'd give my company card to like the SDR team and I'd be like, go on a shopping trip. And they'd spend like four hours in the morning. I think it's because we, we, our office was near a massive mall. But they'd go shopping and they'd come back with stuff and be like, okay, we've got these 10 prospects. I've got this one, this, this one, this, this one, this. And they'd have like different gifts and then they'd pack them all up and send them out. Those were phenomenal times because they were a lot of fun. People enjoyed it. Yes, I'd argue that SDRs should probably be in the office dialing. But that's kind of how I got around that one. Yeah. So again, it sounds like the greatest challenge is sourcing. I've just like, because mm. like prime example, I mean, I've got these hoodies, I've got these beanies. I mean, they're custom made. Like I have somebody that, that I know that actually hand embroiders these. So like- You kidding me? I'm, no, it's a family friend that hand embroiders all of our swag. Ah, uh, that's like, so cool. Does it at a great cost, very high quality, but it takes time. So like I, mm. if I'm going to order a new batch of swag, it's going to take, you know, eight weeks. And like, mm. That's what it takes. So one, I appreciate it because it does stand out when you're actually in person. But then two, it's yeah, it's just the the heads up of like, all right, if I need this, I can go to a conference. So like I know that I need to order swag if I'm gonna have swag to give it at the conference, or I'm gonna have swag, and that's that. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yeah, well that, that that's the reality of this world. This is a physical world. This is not like spinning up a digital ad or something you can do in seconds, but the payoff, the impact you can gain off the back of it because it's so hard people don't realize firstly how accessible it is to do this themselves yeah. it's very easy to do but it does take time it does but because of that fewer people do it so if you get it right the results are phenomenal i love it speaking of results what were some of the results that you guys have seen i know we already alluded to in the title the 100 percent response rate mm -hmm. but what are some of the results you've seen from these playbooks right as i said like when we got super personalized with this, the thing you have to stress about this is the account selection was key. That was important. Do not ever skip that with account-based marketing. I see people do this and they go and choose a thousand accounts and they just spray and pray and they're like, it didn't work. Account selection was key. And we were doing, candidly, we had account-based targeted ads that were doing the warm-up and we could see the, the intent beforehand. So I've got to clarify that. So there was high intent, but even then, out of like a pool of like 60, 70 accounts, having a 100% response rate is rare, it's not impossible. And that's what we achieved first and foremost. Not everyone said, yes, we would like to look into what you guys are doing right now. That's not, that's not the expectation. But everyone responded because they were like, I cannot believe you've created this custom content. I can't believe you created this book for me, which is so relevant to my role. And it's got this personalized story in it. Thank you for that. The follow-up had to be critical, obviously, because the timing of it, the good thing about sending physical stuff is that if you've got tracking on it you can you know when it's arrived and someone signed for it for example you can follow up in a timely manner but we did manage to achieve that with this specific campaign 100 percent response rate yeah and again as we think about from the perspective of sales the best answer is yes the second best answer is no the worst answer is maybe or no response mm. so even in the context of 100% response rate, even if it's a no, it helps to reprioritize the sales team's time and effort on where they can actually close some deals. So I think there's a ton of value in just knowing an answer. Yeah, man, I 100% agree. And I think we underestimate that a little bit. We, we try and aim for the killer blow, which is like, yes, I'm ready to buy right now. That's just not reality. I think most people know that though, yeah. So final question before we close out, you know, is there anything else that you would want to share with the audience about getting started with ABM? Oh, I mean, that's a very long question. I think for me, 
and I've, I've said this many times actually, but I think the M in ABM is misleading. And not many people like that opinion because marketers think it is a marketing initiative. But my biggest learning from doing account-based marketing for many, many years now is that it's a team sport. And whatever you call something, it doesn't matter so much, but getting other people's buy-in, if you want to do it effectively, sales, BDRs, customer success, account management, wherever you're, you're placing your efforts, it has to be treated like a team sport. If you do the reps with the reps, you're going to get you're going to get the results that you want. And what that means is don't expect marketing just to orchestrate all of it and then sales to buy in. Get their buy in early. Make sure they understand the team sport, the expectations, their roles and responsibilities as part of it. How you're going to track it, how you're going to measure it. But make sure it's designed as a team sport. Your ABM strategy has to be designed that way. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with marketing doing all the work and not seeing the results. And it's going to fall flat on its face. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing else to add to that. It's exactly what I, I try to help clients with as we think through their activation programs. So Alex, thank you so much for, for digging into a direct mail playbook and making it a lot more simple than I think a lot of people think it is. If they want to find you, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn every day. Maybe spend a bit too much time there, but find me on LinkedIn. I talk about go to market predominantly sales, marketing are my main two things. I talk about account-based marketing. I don't talk about direct mail and gifting enough. Maybe I should. But find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. I love it. Again, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been Scrappy ABM. We hope you all enjoyed. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out ScrappyABM.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.